This is Planning for Tomorrow in the 256 with Aaron Howard from Cloud Financial. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. Aaron provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Planning for Tomorrow in the 256 with Aaron Howard. Hello and welcome to Planning for Tomorrow in the 256. This is Aaron Howard from Cloud Investments. And if you'd like more information about what you hear during the show today, give us a call at 256-715-0094 or you can visit us online at cloudfinancial.com. And while you're at my website, feel free to click on the radio page and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, however you choose to listen. So um, let me go ahead and welcome my co-host today. Tony, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great today. I'm alive and awake, so that's good. Uh, I've had a good week. How about you? How are you doing? I'm great. Um, I'm doing really good. I had a, a nice trip to Birmingham to celebrate my wife's birthday yeah, over the awesome. weekend. And so uh, we feel rejuvenated. And here at the office, we're starting up full speed ahead. Um, we've got several events planned. We've actually got a got a seminar this Thursday night and then the following Tuesday. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, you guys keep busy over there. And it's great hanging with you and doing the show each week. And I just, you tell me about your schedule and a I get tired just thinking about it, honestly, Aaron. <laughs> well, I'm sure uh, you stay busy over there, too. I know you've got um, a lot of stuff going on, and uh, you said you have three kids. So, man, I, I'm oh, glad yeah. I don't have, have that. Well, yet. Aaron, you might get there someday. I yep. will. One, one day I know I will, but yeah. right now I'm enjoying, uh, enjoying my puppy. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So you said we're talking about money and relationships today, and I always like learning more about my relationship with money. Well, that's close, but no cigar, Tony. Um, today's episode actually focuses on the money issues that impact our marriage or relationships. So ah, it's something okay. many of our clients have had to deal with at, at some point or another. Sure. So taking time to address these issues, especially before they turn into problems, can actually be really valuable. Yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, so it's not it's not about my relationship with my own money. It's about how money affects our relationships. There it is. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. It, um, and one of the one of the things we're going to be talking about today comes from uh, an article from Investopedia.com. It's called "The Top Six Marriage Killing Money Issues." So oh, kind of wow. serious there. Yeah. Um, money can be a source of stress for a lot of people. I think we all know that. Yeah. Actually, according to um, a study in October of 2018 from the American Psychological Association, and it's named Stress in America, 64% of adults in the survey are stressed about money. And wow. I don't know about you, but from my personal <laughs> relationships, I feel like sometimes that number is actually higher than 64%. So I think so. It, it clearly affects uh, a majority of Americans. Yeah, that's actually right. I mean, I think pretty much everybody has been stressed about uh, their money situation or finances at one point in time. Uh, and I think we've all experienced that. Uh, when you add in relationships to that, I think the pressure cooker gets turned to 11, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, relationships and money... Um, 
and then you know your relationship with money to, to quote you earlier i think all these things um, definitely add to the stresses in our life so that's why we're here today we're going to focus on a couple of the issues that will be impacting you um, if they haven't already they will in the future and we're going to start with keeping separate accounts so according to the investopedia.com entry some couples decide to split expenses down the middle and then they pay their half out of their own private accounts. Often uh, what we see with this financial setup is there's resentment about who gets to pay what, who gets to spend what, and it can even evolve into a competition. I paid for this, so you have to pay for that. And, um, you know, in some cases, having these separate accounts can actually lead to a partner hiding money from the other. Uh, the drawbacks of separating finances can also include uh, reduced buying power, eliminating the other financial benefits that may come with marriage. So, wow. Okay. Uh, it seems like joint bank accounts then would be a better option. What are some benefits to having a joint account? I know my wife and I have a joint account. Yeah, my wife and I do as well. Um, and that's a great question. So there's a, several benefits to these. Um, joint accounts are very common. According to a thebalance.com article, should you have joint or separate bank accounts, a TD Bank survey showed that 76% of couples said they shared at least one bank account. So joint bank accounts tend to provide more transparency. That's kind of what we were talking about a minute ago. Um, in spending and then also in the relationship, they can streamline some legal affairs. So if something was to happen uh, to one or the other part of the couple, then the joint account allows the surviving partner to maintain access to all the funds. And in my personal experience, um, some married couples also find it's just easier to keep track of spending, expenses, et cetera, when it's all found in one place. Right. And so uh, it seems like there are a lot of positive reasons then to have a joint account. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are also drawbacks as well. Um, we know there's always going to be drawbacks with the positive. So some people feel like they have less control or independence if they don't have their own account. Um, you can have a mixture of both. Um, but then also there can be issues if the couple isn't communicating about spending. So perhaps you both assume the other was going to pay the electric bill and then it never gets paid or in the reverse, it might get paid twice. So you have to just communicate there. And I mean, that's what we know about any, um, anything in relationships at all. So one thing we're assuming is that there's trust built up for the couples that we're talking about. So if you're already fighting and you're not getting along with your spouse, we're not telling you that simply putting your bank account together is going to fix your problems. Yeah. In fact, uh, if you're on the rocks and you add your spouse, to your account, they might just take off with all your money. Who knows? <laughs> well, that scenario feels like something out of a movie. I mean, <laughs> one partner empties the account, then skips the country. Uh, that would definitely make things a bit awkward. <laughs> it definitely would. Uh, I think maybe that's the worst case scenario there. Uh, yeah. uh, but we'll, we'll move on to something, um, something else here. Let's look at debt. Um, debt's another issue, and it can also be a bit awkward. Um, or uncomfortable debt is a very serious issue for many Americans, and it actually can adversely impact a relationship. 
it can take different forms, whether it's a credit card, a car loan, even gambling or other things like that. Most people do bring in some sort of debt into a relationship and debts that are brought into a marriage um, specifically remain attached to the person who brought them in. However, there are non-states that have determined that debts incurred after a marriage are generally owned by both partners. So that's an interesting fact there. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that is interesting. And I, I didn't realize that some states had that rule. Uh, what states uh, does that impact? Well, luckily here in Alabama, we don't have that rule. But in Arizona, California, Nevada, Idaho, Washington, New Mexico, Texas, Louisiana, and Wisconsin, you're not liable for most of your spouse's debt that was incurred before the marriage in those states. But any debt that was incurred after the wedding may be shared by both individuals, even when it may have only been applied for by one member of the relationship. So, you know, that's something to note there. Debt can also potentially be a problem that comes with resentment. So especially if one member of the partnership feels like they're paying for the debt or that they're the one who brought in the debt. So I recommend that if you can, unless this is already passed, talk about debt, talk about existing debt or potential debt before the relationship begins or before you take that next step. And this could actually even be something you want to enlist the counsel of a financial services professional to help facilitate the discussion. Um, in the next segment, we're actually going to look at a tool we use at Cloud Investments to help examine how each individual feels and reacts to certain risk and tolerance. So um, we regularly facilitate these discussions here in the office. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it's really important. Now, our, we should probably take a moment here uh, Aaron, to let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you. I know you offer a complimentary, no cost, no obligation consultation. Yeah, I do, Tony. And um, as always, you can give us a call at 256-715-0094, or you can find us on the website at cloudfinancial.com. And just a reminder to our listeners, this is Planning for Tomorrow in the 256 with our host, Aaron Howard, and I'm your co-host, Tony Shore. Now, today you've been talking about, well, you've covered a lot of things, but uh, the top six marriage killing money issues. Uh, you looked at a couple of different potential issues, uh, joint or individual bank accounts and debt, correct? Yep, that's right. So um, the next issue we're going to look at from the Investopedia.com article is um, personality. So oh. they actually define personality as how you handle money. Are you a spender or a saver? I like to take this one step further and look at risk tolerance. So instead of just lumping each partner into a broader category, it can be useful to learn what type of risk each member of the partnership is willing to be exposed to. At Cloud Investments, we offer our clients the opportunity to determine their risk scores using a tool based on a Nobel Prize winning study. It's called Riskalyze. And this analysis provides each member of the relationship with a financial picture uh, to overall risk preferences. So the result is a proprietary risk analysis score. And in short, this interactive analysis is an important part of determining how to properly align assets among different asset classes. We often find that couples have very different risk tolerances. It seems like the old saying, 
holds true that opposites attract and that applies to risk as well. I know that's how Layla and I are. She's a saver and I'm actually the spender in the relationship and um, with risk as well. She's more conservative and I'm actually the risk taker. So for us, it really helps having each other to balance everything out. So um, that's the good part of, of the marriage in that case, that when we do see these opposites attracting, thankfully they usually can balance each other out. But back to risk, we generally group the different asset classes into a few colored groups. So to help us visualize that, let's uh, associate the risk with color. So you might talk about green or yellow or red money. Oh, okay. So uh, tell us more about the different uh, colors of money, the different colors of money and how they're defined. Yeah, absolutely. A good suggestion there. Red money are assets that are subject to more risk and can lose value, but they also provide the opportunity for growth. And then yellow money assets, they're similar to red, um, that they're subject to risk and they can lose value, but they're professionally managed. So the professional money managers actually can help reduce the risk and provide growth opportunities. So I like to use motorcycles as an analogy here. And if you think about a motorcycle, they're just inherently more dangerous when it comes to transportation than just driving a car. But with training and experience, if someone's been riding a motorcycle their whole life, if they have a license, then we can assume that that person will be able to mitigate some of the risk associated. It's exactly the same thing when we're talking about um, looking at a professional money manager or financial services professional. And then we move on to green money. And these are assets with less risk. They won't have as much growth potential as other assets, but your account is less likely to go down. So if you're interested in, in learning more about this specific analysis and a customized report, the first step is actually to complete the risk alive strategy assessment. And these are complimentary and available upon request. If you just call our office at 256-715-0094. And if risk and your specific risk score is important to you, feel free to reach out and we'll help you define those numbers for you and for your spouse. Oh, that's great. Uh, and that's always an interesting tool to me. The color of money helps us really understand our assets and where they need to be and how they're allocated. Uh, what's next on the list of potential relationship harming financial issues? Next up is the power play. Oh, that's and, a hockey term right there. Yeah. Uh, I'm not much of a hockey player. I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, the power play is another money issue that Investopedia notes can harm relationships. It occurs when one partner is employed and the other isn't or if both partners want to work, but one is struggling to find employment. So a power play deals with the imbalance of income and how the individual with more income or most income can control how the money is spent. So there may be some rationale behind this idea, but it's important that both partners cooperate and communicate when it comes to spending. As we mentioned earlier, when discussing the pros and cons of different bank account options, a joint account offers greater transparency and access. However, it's not in itself the solution to the lopsided power money dynamic in the relationship. So actually, when we look at the deeper issue, transparency is more important and it can be used to control that spending. So this imbalance 
can actually lead to what some experts call financial abuse. And that's really serious. Yeah, that is serious. Uh, although, you know, financial abuse, I haven't really heard a lot about that. Well, there's many kinds of abuse. And so financial abuse is one of the more subtle forms. Uh, according to the National Network to End Domestic Violence Report, understanding financial abuse, this kind of abuse is used to control and isolate partners. The experience is unique to each relationship. So a couple of the forms here, they can include controlling how the money is spent, restricting access to the money or giving an allowance, withholding access to necessities like medication or food, restricting a partner's ability to work or make money so that they continue to hold that power, or even in some extreme cases, theft of money, credit, or identity. So if you want to look at the full report, it's available as part of the moving ahead through financial management curriculum, and that can be downloaded at nnedv.org. All right, sounds good. And those are really heavy things to consider. Um, I think it sounds like that report would be a very good resource. Yeah, I think so too, Tony. And hopefully none of our listeners will need that report, but uh, we want to make sure we provide those resources just in case. Um, it does have some valuable tips on being healthy and productive and ways that couples can talk about their finances and the desires and needs. So even if you're not in that um, financial abuse situation, it still might be a good idea to look at it. And every relationship in its financial picture is going to be unique. So perhaps one member of the couple manages the day-to-day -day finances and the bill paying, and this might be functional or even fit well with both individuals' personalities. However, the important part is that both should have access and regular input on all financial decisions. I know that it may even sound funny that we're even discussing all this stuff um, on a financial podcast, but it may seem even a little bit more like counseling, but we see a lot of our clients come in on different pages and discussing this sort of behavior can actually help alleviate the stress and potential problems that would come up before they start. And this, these things are associated with financial decision-making. So, looking at couples in healthy financial relationships, they can have different values related to money, but joint financial goals should be negotiated and planned for together. Um, marriage is a partnership, and so we expect that the financial goals that are made together should be planned for just like anything else in that marriage. So the couples that set plans and meet those joint goals should be supporting each other in the process and they're actually more likely to feel that they're in this healthy money partnership oh well yeah and i think that's a great point now uh, before we move on share that website uh, where we can get that report again yeah absolutely the report and more resources are available at nnedv.org and that's part of their moving ahead curriculum. It's a financial empowerment resource. As a reminder, um, the information in this curriculum is intended to be general advice for individuals in an abusive relationship, but not everyone's situation is the same. You may need specific advice for your situation. So if you do, contact a domestic violence advocate or visit thehotline.org. You may also consider 
contacting a financial advisor or an attorney. All right. That sounds great. Now, our, we should probably get your phone number once again so our listeners can give you a call. I know you're, you have that special offer for them. Yes, sir, Tony. Um, so one thing I like to remind our, our listeners is that our goal at Cloud Investments is about a planning process that provides our clients with clarity and they know that they will have a comfortable retirement and that they can work together as a couple um, to be able to protect the retirement that they've worked so hard for so that they can enjoy it together. And so if you want more information, you want to come in, I'd love to talk to you and give you a free planning session. And so you can always visit my website at cloudfinancial.com or just give us a call at 256-715-0094. All right. And again, we're talking about how money affects our relationship today. And you mentioned that investopedia.com article, the top six marriage killing money issues that people have. And you looked at a few different issues so far, uh, joint or individual bank accounts, debt, and you discussed power plays, financial abuse. Um, so uh, we've certainly covered a lot. And just a reminder to our listeners, if they want to you know, review any portion of today's show or maybe a past show on a topic they'd like to know more about, they can always check out the website and go to the show page, go to the podcast page and listen to those episodes or subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. What's that web address again? It's cloudfinancial.com. Yeah, it's easy. Cloudfinancial.com. Uh, now, what are the final issues we're going to talk about? Well, the last two issues that affect relationships are related, literally. Um, <laughs> they are children and extended family. Oh, yeah. So, um, the decision to have children, we talked about this earlier, is a big question for any relationship. I think that's obvious. Raising a child is not an easy task financially, and according to the most recent available information. So the average cost of raising a child, I'm sure a lot of the parents are listening hard here, they wanna know this number. From birth to age 17 is $233,610 wow. in a married two-parent middle-income family with two children. Yeah. And I want to say having three kids of my own, uh, I totally believe that number. Uh, I believe it could be <laughs> even more, but from birth to age 17, think of that over $233,000. And that doesn't include college. No, it doesn't. This information comes from a 2017 study from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the USDA. And I actually went to the website, um, and that 2017 report is still the most recent information that we have. And so we're, we're using that report now, and it's figured using uh, 2015 dollars. So with inflation likely to be a factor, we can expect that number to increase in the future. And having children impacts not just the pocketbook, but also the calendar. Does one partner stay home when the children are younger? How does this impact long-term retirement strategy or career advancement goals? Yeah, good questions. I think those are great questions, Aaron. And uh, you need to ask those again. And it really, I think it comes down to three things that are vital to a healthy financial relationship, and that's compromise, honesty, and equality. Yeah, absolutely. Those, those three 
are very important when it comes to relationships and when it comes to extended family relationships as well. The issue of money and extended family can involve gifts that one side of the family can afford and the other can't, or the expectation of an extravagant vacation and expenses that might not fit into your partner's budget. It could even be loaning money to family members in need or for a business venture. Each of these different scenarios can increase stress and can cause problems in any relationship or partnership, family or otherwise. You know, Aaron, you're right. Obviously, money can drive a wedge between people. I think we can all think of at least one example in our own lives of ourselves or someone we know. Yeah, stress and friction between relatives over money is very common. And often we think of lending money when it comes to money challenges with extended family. So that's why our last resource for today is an article from moneycrashers.com. And it's nine tips for lending money to family and friends. So let's examine a few of these tips before we end our time together today. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be very, very helpful. So um, what are the top tips in your opinion? First, let me say that in my opinion, it's always dangerous to lend money to family or friends. Um, And it's really a good idea not to lend money with the expectation of being paid back on simple good faith. These tips can help you set up terms uh, that make lending possible, even if is isn't necessarily desirable or recommended. And let me follow this up by saying that I think giving money away is a totally different thing. So when I say lending, I'm referring to the expectation of getting the money back. And that can definitely create issues. If you want to help family or friends or others who are in need as a couple, in my experience, that can be one of the most rewarding things you can do. Layla and I have actually had the opportunity to bless some people together. And somehow we always feel like we end up on the winning end of of that scenario. There's a, there's a quote. It's one of my favorites and I don't know the author, but my old pastor, he's, he's retired now. Um, His name is brother Doc Shell. He used to say it and it goes like this. There once was a man, they thought he was mad. The more that he gave, the more that he had. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And so, uh, obviously, these are good tips. Good to be aware of that. Do you have anything else for us? Yeah. um, So, let's look at some specifics when it comes to, to lending money. First, I would recommend deal with cash only. Um, avoid any connection or or contract with someone that could impact your credit score. So don't open credit cards in people's names or even co-sign on a loan. These type of situations can put you in a position where someone else's actions can actually impact your financial future. So if you just deal with cash, um, that can avoid those problems. The second one is only lend what you can afford. Some people think that might go without saying, Um, but there is a very real possibility uh, that you might not be paid back for the loan. So if the loan is putting you into uh, a bad place financially, you you might actually end up worse than the person you loan the money to. So I just want to make sure I mention this as well, Tony, that each of these tips comes with exceptions and our listeners should use their own judgment and prayerfully consider any charitable 
donations um, or decisions. So at the end of the day, it is their money. And I think um, personally, and this is always my recommendation that to my clients that they should use their money how they see fit. Just keep these things in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Good tips, obviously. Uh, are there any others you want to talk about? Yeah, I think there is one more. Um, and it's just, it's a pretty simple one, but it, it is important and it's just getting it in writing. So if you do end up loaning money, make sure that you and the person and the person that you're loaning the cash to has agreed to the repayment term. So if you have any interest or you have a certain schedule, um, those are things that you should get written down uh, on a written document and it can help in the future if, if the agreement does turn sour. So I'll, I'll hit a side note here um, that this actually applies to any agreement. Um, I recently built a fence for my backyard and I had some, I had some concerns uh, that it wasn't going to last. So I got a five year contract and the guy actually signed the contract. So just because I decided to get it in writing, that gives me some peace of mind. It, it goes with any contract that we do, including that lending money. But I want to do one more thing. I know I said that was the last point, but let's look at some worst case scenarios. So it's vital to discuss the ramifications of breaking the agreement. So that could be uh, late charges or a collection process or even legal action. It's really just not a comfortable place to be asking for money. And so that's going to especially hold true if, if this is for family and friends. So you want to put those um, parameters in the contract, even for those worst case scenarios. And if you're not able to follow these tips, you may just want to avoid not loaning money at all. So, you know, perhaps there are other ways that you can help, maybe like a service-based way, or even refer them to a financial services professional. And, and that person can then help examine their financial needs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've covered a wide range of potentially damaging issues today and a lot about how finances can affect our relationships. Yeah, we, we that we have, Tony. We really have. And, um, you know, what can be done to avoid these potentially damaging money issues? Well, often the best way we can combat these is just simple with communication and honesty, just discussing money. And it can be a difficult and uncomfortable process. And there's no like magic wand that you can wave to, to ease the process or ease the financial stress. But taking important steps today and talking about these things can help avoid negative consequences down the road. So I would recommend take the time to, to have that difficult talk soon before it becomes a relationship killing money issue. All right. Yeah, that's important. It's a really tough topic, but you did a great job, Aaron. As usual, our time has flown by. Our time is up for this week's show. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? No, Tony, that's it for it. And um, if you do have any more questions about um, these relationship and finance issues, you can always find help from us at cloudfinancial.com or you can call our office at 256-715-0094. All right, and that does it for today's episode of Planning for Tomorrow in the 256 with our host, Aaron Howard. All right, thanks. Join us again next week for another episode with me and Tony Shore. Thank you for listening to Planning for Tomorrow in the 256. 
Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Aaron Howard at Cloud Financial. Call 256-715-0094 or visit them online at cloudfinancial.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services are offered by Cloud Investments LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Advisory services are offered by Cloud Investments LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products and services are offered through Cloud Financial Inc. Cloud Investments LLC and Cloud Financial Inc. are affiliated companies. Aaron Howard and Cloud Financial Inc. are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.